If you know, you know. There were only two things that drove me crazier than the VeggieTale cucumber, and let's just say Barney was one of them, all right? Uh, just let you know. I, I got so sick of hearing my boys, I love you, you love, no, okay. All right. Um, I, I just, I, I wanna say thanks uh, to Pastor Josh for uh, doing a wonderful job bringing God's word last week while I took some vacation. Would you help me thank Josh? Appreciate his ministry among us, okay? Uh, for those of you, it was his first time speaking here at Eastside, and so uh, for those of you who hadn't heard him before, you will hear him again, um, and we're grateful to, to have him on our team as well as all the rest of our staff. Gentlemen who were at the men's retreat uh, Friday and Saturday, thank you so much. Great time to be with to be with you. Um, I did take some vacation time, um, answer to three questions uh, that I've had asked since I wasn't here last week. One was, uh, where did you go? Went to St. Louis to see my 91-year-old mother-in-law who's watching online. And if Malik can say hello to his mom, I can say hello to my mother-in-law. Hi, Angela, good to see you. Uh, and, uh, or to be seen by you, all right? Uh, and, and then uh, the other thing was, what did you do? Well, her water heater exploded, and so I got to become a plumber. Um, if you've never seen a preacher as a plumber, uh, Jesus was a carpenter, not a plumber. Um, it wasn't pretty, all right? But uh, I got the help. And, and so, and then, yes, I did manage to land some tickets to the Cardinals and Mets game where the fight broke out. Uh, no, I did not cause the fight, all right? Just to let you know that. Today we launch a series called Untoxic. Uh, this is a part of our For You emphasis this year. Uh, for those of you who might be new with us, uh, either on campus or online, for you is our way of communicating what Jesus has communicated in the New Testament and what God has communicated throughout the entire scripture. That God is for us, not against us. This is our way of saying to a world that quite honestly has created uh, an image of church as an institution that the church is not an institution. Uh, the church is the body of Christ. Uh, and as my mother taught me when I was growing up, um, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you, if you confess your sins to him, if you repent of those sins, if you ask him into your heart, you are a part of the body of Christ. But as my mother, who was a preacher's wife, used to inform my brothers and I quite frequently, not everybody who goes to church is a part of the church. Not everybody who's in a congregation has bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. Somehow along the way, people have kind of thought, well, this is just like, you know, it's good for business. I can make good connections. I can be a part of the, of the congregation, but I don't have to accept Jesus. What you need to understand is this. If you've not accepted Jesus, you're not a part of the church. If you have accepted Jesus, you are a part of the church, no matter what congregation you worship with and no matter what preferences you have about how you worship. But for you is an emphasis that we feel is important for the world to know that, that the church the, is the people of God. And we're the people of God living in the kingdom of God. Living in the kingdom of God means we have a different set of values than the rest of the world. And yet, in the culture that we've been a part of, really for several decades, but it's just been accelerated in the last 36 months, but primarily in the COVID pandemic, it has been accelerated to where people who view the church as an institution, an organization within the society, have actually began to call Christian people toxic. Um, that, that what we believe about who God is and about what God's word says is not beneficial to people. And nothing could be further from the truth. The fact of the matter is it's the kingdom of darkness that's toxic. And it's the people of God 
those who've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, who are the, and this is, this is fun, who are untoxic. Now, some of you are going, I Googled untoxic, and it says it's not a word. That's correct. But I learned in, in, in high school and college in my literature classes that poets and preachers are allowed something called poetic license, all right? And poetic license means we can make up our own words anytime we want to, all right? And so over the years, I've made up a lot of words, all right? And untoxic is, I mean, gr grammatically, for those of you who are English people, you know, literature people, um, the, the technical term is non-toxic, okay? But untoxic is exactly what we want people to know we are. Because here's the deal, all of us live with certain levels of toxicity in our body. For those of you who are nurses, doctors, uh, medical personnel, you realize that your body is never, hear this, I know, even if you are the most well-built physical specimen in the world, you're carrying in your body right now some toxins. You're carrying in your body some things that could poison you if they're out of balance. And so for this series, what we're going to do is we're going to identify how the people of God living in the kingdom of God can be an untoxic impact upon the world so that we can let people know that, that God is for you. He's not against you. And as Amy and Kate helped us understand this morning by confessing their faith in Jesus Christ and, and coming before you and, and, and being baptized and symbolically being buried with Christ and raised to new life, when you encounter the untoxicness of Jesus Christ, then you become a peculiar person in our world, a very peculiar person in our world because your values your values are totally different than the values of the people around you. And so this morning, uh, as we launch this series, there, there's some things I want you to know. We're going we're gonna to use a, a book, we're going to let it speak to us out of the New Testament called Colossians. Now, it's a book written by the Apostle Paul. It was one of three letters that Paul wrote when he was in prison to these churches, well, to two churches and an individual who lived in a place along what's called the Lycos Valley. Now, if you remember when we did, when through COVID, if you remember in 2020 and 2021, God led us to basically spend that entire time frame in the book of Acts. And, and what we were trying to do was establish when the church had been through another time and, and space where, where the world was not understanding what God wanted to do. And, and the book of Acts is a perfect example of that. And so we spent every week in 2020 after the pandemic hit, we scrapped everything we had planned for that year. And every week we went into the book of Acts and in 2021 did the same thing so that we, we as a congregation worked our way through that entire book of the Bible. And, and we did it so that we could have this foundation. And now, and now as, we're, as we're looking at what it means to be untoxic, I, I, I was looking for where in, the, where in the scriptures is there this illustration? Is there this communication that is, that is so, so relevant to that time and place and also relevant to our time and place? And there's this letter, Colossians. Now, Paul, as I said, was in prison when he wrote the letter. He also wrote a letter to another town called Laodicea. Laodicea and, and Colossae, and a little town called Hierapolis were all three located in what's called the Lycos Valley. Now here's the deal. 
In the book of Acts, there's a story where the apostle Paul stays in the town of Ephesus for like three years. And for two of those years, he's teaching at a place called the Hall of Tyrannius. What had happened to Paul was what happened to him in a lot of places. He went into town. He went to the synagogue. He began to tell about Jesus to the Jewish people, and the Jewish leaders looked at him. And some of the people came and accepted Jesus, but others were like, no, we're not going to do that. And, and so they began to persecute Paul. And so what he did was he just went down the street and rented the Hall of Tyrannius. And for years, he was in Ephesus teaching. Now, why is that important to this letter, and why is it important to an untoxic reaction to a toxic world? Well, because in that setting, people who came to Ephesus on business would hear about Paul, and they would go and listen to what he was saying. Jewish people, non-Jewish people, business people, men, women, of all, of all types and sizes. And Ephesus was located as the seaport at the end of a river called the Meander River. I love that, that name, the Meander, just because I'm from the South, and sometimes if you don't know where you're going, you're just meandering around. That's a, that's a word down there, all right? Maybe you don't use it, but it's one of our words. It's in our vocabulary, right alongside grits and over yonder, okay? Uh, and, and so um, the Meander River comes into the port at Ephesus, and as you go up it about 100 miles, you get into this Lycos Valley where Colossae and Hierapolis and Laodicea were. And here's why, here's why I think it's so important. You see, decades earlier, decades earlier, Colossae had been this really important town. It, it, it's it's a, in a volcanic area. There are lots of seismic activity. There have been volcanoes there. And somehow it produces out of that out of that volcanic activity, it produces, it produces really fertile ground for sheep to graze on. And the sheep from there produced a wool that was literally known around the world. They would ship that wool down the river, use the travel road from the Roman road of the Roman Empire, and they would go to Ephesus. And that's probably how the gospel got to Colossae, because here's the other part. While Paul writes lots of letters in the New Testament to people he knows, He's never met the people in Colossae. And so there's this, these people in this town, some of whom have gone on business 100 miles away down to the big city. And they've come back and they're telling, they're, they're, they're telling their friends and neighbors about who Jesus is. Now, why in the world is that relevant to us? Because this was a city that used to be great, but now was smaller with a worse economy and things were not as good. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, whether you're with us on campus or online, if you live in central Indiana, I mean, I, I've been living here in central Indiana now for 25 years. And for 25 years, I've heard about how great it used to be, okay? I've heard about, wow, man, this, that, man. Anderson, we used to have all of these jobs. Muncie, we had all of these jobs. Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I, I did draw the line at the person who told me, Alexandria was a boom town. I'm like, yeah, well, no, probably not. All right. But I've heard and heard and heard. And for those of you from, and then by the way, I want you to understand, I have lived here long enough to know it's not Alec, it's Alec, okay? And those of you from Alec, I love you. I'm just not making fun. I'm just saying all of us in central Indiana, Henry County, Madison County, Delaware County, Grant County, Hancock County, and even some parts of Hamilton County talk about how great things used to be. 
And that's what was going on in Colossae. And so when the gospel got to Colossae, it was talking to people who were living just like you and me. Because you see, when, when all you think about is the past and you think that the great days are past, you end up becoming toxic. You, you end up becoming cynical. I had a businessman in this community who's, who's relative, he'd been in the community for about three decades. And we were in a conversation not long ago and he said, you know, Pastor Robinson said, it's, it's an amazing question to me why the people who live in central Indiana are the most critical people about central Indiana. And so when we're, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at what Paul says to the church in Colossae and we're gonna see how he's trying to help people who are living in a toxic culture that used to be great, that used to be economically a powerhouse and now it's not to be able to, to discover what it means to live as the people of God in the kingdom of God in an untoxic way because the only way the toxins get broken down in your body, the only way you stay balanced, the only way you stay healthy is to have enough healthiness in your body to counteract the low-grade toxins. And that's who you're called to be. And so for the next couple of months, and I, I, I do understand, um, you know, university students, I know that IWU had a graduation yesterday, and AU's got a graduation next Saturday, and Taylor, you're going to have to go longer than everybody else and graduate in a couple of weeks, but, but I just want you to know that um, we love you. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the service, but, but you can join, again, because of what we're doing with streaming and hybrid and online campus, even if you have to leave the area, you can be a part of this series for, for the next couple of months. And I really want to encourage you because here's the deal. I don't think this is just about central Indiana. I think this is about the world right now. I think we need to hear what, what it means to be untoxic people telling the world that Jesus Christ is for you. So let's look at what Paul says to these people in Colossae. In, first, in Colossians chapter one, now he, he opens with this greeting and everything. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, I want you to hear the rest of this prayer right now as if, as if Paul is praying it over you. Whoever you are, wherever you are, this prayer, if you're a follower of Jesus, this prayer is for you. Listen. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed to the whole world, it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy 
giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So what Paul does is that he, he hears about these people a hundred miles away. He hears about these people up in the Lycos Valley. Now, how does he hear from them? From Epaphras. Who is Epaphras? Well, Epaphras is one of those people who went down to Ephesus on business and went to the hall of Tyrannius and encountered Jesus. And now Epaphras has become the spiritual leader. He's a fellow servant, Paul calls him, up in Colossae. And so he, he's leading people to Jesus. People are finding Jesus. But as they do, they begin to encounter this toxic culture around them, a culture filled with people who are always talking about yesterday, a a culture filled with people who are always remembering the past, a a group of people who don't believe that God could really want to do anything in their life. And so these new believers have some questions, and Epaphras then comes down to find Paul. Now, he doesn't find Paul in Ephesus. It's been a few years. He finds Paul in a Roman prison. And, and, and here's the fun part. He actually gets arrested too. And so now he's in prison with Paul for preaching the gospel. But he's brought these questions. And so Paul, Paul writes to them from Colossae, or to Colossae, from this Roman prison. And as he's writing the letter, he starts with this description of the untoxic people and where it all begins. Because here's what he knows, here's what I know. Some things I think, some things I know. If we're gonna tell the world that God is for you and not against you, if we're gonna be faithful to the scriptures and help people understand that Jesus came and he lived and he breathed and he lived among us and he sacrificed his life and he died on a cross and he was raised on the third day, he ascended to be at the right hand of God the Father and he sits there today interceding on your behalf and my behalf and behalf of all the people in the world. Yes, even the people who disagree with you politically, Jesus loves them. And if we're gonna be untoxic people, who are gonna bring health into a toxic world, then we've got to understand, untoxic people are peculiar because of their encounter with Jesus. They're not peculiar because they dress strange. They're not peculiar because they talk funny. No, they, they, they are peculiar because they've had an encounter with Jesus. They, they, they've met the living Lord. If you're here today and, or you're watching this online and you haven't met Jesus as your personal savior, if you haven't come to the place where Amy has and where Kate has, where you've had this encounter where you're suddenly like, you know what? I need to let Jesus be in charge of my entire life because now I see how in this part of my life and that part of my life, he, he was at work preparing me for this. If you've not met him yet, then you, you need to know your toxicity level is pretty high. Because the world in which we live will fill you with those toxins and with those poisons, with, with, with lies. I, I read an article this week I loved. I don't have any small children at home uh, except my granddaughter who visits with us occasionally. But I, I'll be honest, I remember very much, even in the dark ages when my adult children were children. <laughs> and, um, you know, like 15, 20 years ago. And, and I wish I'd heard this then. Because I've got a friend, you know, some, some, some families are like, well, we just don't ever watch TV at all. It's all sinful, it's all bad. And then there are others who are like, oh, well, you know, they gotta make their own mind up. They gotta choose, so I, let's go ahead and watch it. Right? Now here's, 
Here's the, the line I heard this week I thought was wonderful. It's a game. In fact, if you've got small children in home, if you've got kids in your house, even teenagers, and particularly teenagers, if you've got teenagers in your home, here's a game for you as a family, okay? When you're watching television, it doesn't matter. Network, cable, Hulu, uh, who knew? I don't know, all right? But when you're watching it, here's the game. Identify the lie. Identify the lie. Teach your children how to understand. Teach your soul. Teach yourself. Understand you live in a world that is governed. The kingdom of darkness is, as Paul refers to it in this passage, is governed by the father of lies. And he wants to steal and kill and destroy. And he will take your soul. That's what Josh was trying to tell you last week. And the fact of the matter is that he lies. So you've got to learn as an untoxic, peculiar person how to encounter Jesus in such a way that he can, he can help you identify the lie. So when you're watching a television show and something happens that goes contradictory to what scripture teaches, learn to identify the lie. Hit the pause button if you have that. And say to your children, hey, can anybody see the lie in this? Because friends, toxicity starts with the lie. It's based in untruth. It's based in telling people that the church is against you and Christians hate you and they're all bigots and they, 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 they don't have any grace and mercy. No, no, we are the people of grace and mercy. We are the people who've been saved by the grace of God and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And if we can't be untoxic enough to be peculiar enough to live by grace and mercy, then we miss it. And that's why Paul starts the prayer. Look at what he said. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Listen to this. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints and because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You see, if we're gonna be untoxic people in a toxic world, then we have to be people who are marked by faith and hope and love. And that, that, that's, that's important, y'all. That's the foundation. See, we're not supposed to be the people marked by, by we're right and you're wrong. There's nowhere in scripture where we're, we're encouraged to, to be the people who argue everybody to faith. <laughs> In fact, the scripture tells us, here's how they'll know you're Christians, by your love. And faith and hope and love are the foundation of your peculiarity. See, I grew up in a preacher's home. I grew up in a preacher's home where my father had not come to know Jesus until he was 17 years old. And when my father came to know Jesus at a small church revival in Western Kentucky that he only went to because he lost a basketball game bet with the evangelist. The only reason my dad went to church that night was that he and his best friend, both of whom were all, what, all region basketball players, both of whom offered college scholarships, were playing basketball on a dirt court in Western Kentucky and a Church of God preacher showed up and, and he and the evangelist challenged my dad and his best friend. Now let me explain. 
My dad had set the school scoring record six months earlier by scoring 50 points in a basketball game when there was no three-shot clock. His best friend broke it the next game at 54. They lost to the preachers. And they went to church because they lost the bet. My dad knew that little country church. He'd grown up in that little community. But God got a hold of him that night and, and saved him completely. In fact, he used to love to tell the story that, that when, he was, when he declared that he was going to be a pastor, in this little community store, they were, they were literally taking bets on how long he would last. Not as a preacher, but as a, as a Christian. And the longest anybody, anybody gave him was six months. You know, my father was a pastor for 50 years. And he's in heaven now, so they've lost their bet a long time ago. But what I know is, as my dad would tell the story, when I got up from the altar, I turned and looked at him and said, I love Jesus, but I'm still going to the movies. Because in those days, if you loved Jesus, you didn't go to that sinful movie house at all. Yeah, but then he went to the movies. Just after he read that part that says, the, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking he, whom he would devour. And uh, as God would have it, when the uh, movie credits at the beginning began, it was an MGM movie. Some of you who are younger don't understand. Let me explain. MGM's logo was a lion. And the movie would open up in the pitch blackness and it would come up on the screen and there'd be this lion and it would go, roar! My dad said it scared me so much I ran out of the theater. And he didn't go back for 40 years. Now, what I'm telling you that story about is because I was raised where I thought that's what it meant to be peculiar. I didn't go to movies. I had to beg to go to the school dance. And I didn't, I, I didn't smoke or drink or chew or kiss the girls that do, you know, any of that. And, 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 and that, that, but I have to say, that's not what, I mean by peculiar. That's not what I mean by untoxic. In fact, in some places, that stuff's toxic. But what I mean by untoxic is, and by peculiar is that your life is marked by an encounter with Jesus that's just as radical as the one my dad had, just as radical as the one I had at a youth camp in West Texas that changed my life forever. Just as radical as, as what's happened to, to Amy and Kate and others of you. But here's what I know. It's because we have faith. And untoxic people have faith and love because they have hope in Jesus Christ. And we're peculiar because of that encounter. And we're peculiar because of our expressions of love in our attitudes and our actions. In our attitudes and our actions. Listen to the way Paul said it again. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ 
on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So Epaphras is this guy who's come back. He's in jail with Paul now. And Paul has listened to him talk about these people he's never met who are 100 miles away in a town that used to be something and now it's not. And they're being fed the toxins of their culture, the cynicism, the depression, the sense that it's never, the hopelessness. All of that is toxic and it's coming up. And, and what happens is Epaphras is telling them, hey, listen, when Jesus got hold of these people, when these people encountered Jesus, they suddenly began to love each other and love other people. And those expressions of love are very, very practical. I mean, not long ago, I was in a store here, here in the city and I was in line to, to check out. And I wanna show you how far toxicity goes. Because ahead of me in line, there was a person who, no matter what the cashier did, it was wrong. They were angry, they were mad, and the, you know, it was not on the receipt, should have been on that cell, probably I don't understand why in the world it's marked back there, because it really was marked this way, and, and there has to have a big argument, you could just see the poor little cashier uh, happened to be a female, and she's just, she's just, just cringing. I mean, this, this person is just irate. The anger, the, the frustration, I was so afraid they were gonna turn around and look at me and say, hi, pastor, how are you? Uh, but, but it wasn't one of you, I promise. Okay. And, and I have to be honest with you, when, when that person left the line and I stepped into the line, I couldn't help it. I just looked at the, the cashier and I said, are you okay? It's been like this all day, man. I said, well, let me just tell you something. Here's my bill. You got it right. Let me pay you. I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't tell her, hey, I'm the pastor of the Eastside Church of God, and Jesus loves you, and I'm for you. And no, I didn't do that. I just smiled at her. I was just nice to her. And when I got ready to bag up my stuff and leave, she turned and she said, Mr., thank you. Nobody else has smiled at me all day long. Hey, friend, can I tell you something? There are people you encounter every day that you can show an attitude and action of love and grace and mercy and hope if you'll be become peculiar enough to be untoxic instead of toxic. I had a businessman in the city ask me not long ago, Pastor, how come it is that all these people who live here criticize this place more than anybody else in the world. Don't they understand? If you don't like where you live, nobody else will either. So my friends, listen to me. If we wanna be untoxic people in a toxic world, if we wanna be the people of God in the kingdom of God, impacting the kingdom of darkness, then we've got to be people who encounter Jesus in a life-changing way, and it has to influence our attitudes and our actions because that's, that's where the faith and hope and love make a difference. Because you see, untoxic people are peculiar in their impact, their influence on the people in their circles. You don't, you don't, have, to, you don't have to go somewhere else to make an impact for Jesus. I, I remember when I was... Um, when I was being invited to consider becoming the pastor of this church, um, Pastor David Lynch had done an amazing job here for over a decade as the, as the senior pastor. Pastor Dwight died before him for 15 years. Pastor David knew. Dr. Dwight died 
These guys were Dr. Roscoe Snowden, just amazing pastors of this church throughout its history. Floyd Tunnel early on. And they were interviewing, and they were so concerned about the search committee. In fact, there are some of you who are on that search committee who, who are in this service. You'll remember this day. Because uh, they didn't bring me to Anderson. It was, it was just, that was at that point in time, the, there were so many people working for the Church of God, and I know so many people that it just would have been like, why is Carrie in town, okay? So they had Becky and I meet them in Indianapolis at the airport Holiday Inn. We flew in, we had this all-day meeting, and I remember all of these questions, and I'm asking them questions, and they're asking me questions, and you can just kind of feel God doing something in the room, and I'm thinking, God, I'm actually gonna have to move from Florida um, in the winter. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, but but at, finally, I, I looked at the people and said, okay, I've got one more question for y'all. I wanna know why it is that, I said, I'm looking around, there are at least, at least three or four of you who were in college with me. You know what I did in college. You did it with me in college. Why in the world would you ask me to be your pastor? And there was this awkward silence for just a moment until one of the guys in the room, happened to be a guy, said, well, Carrie, you're different now. I said, yeah, I'm bald now, you know. I, I used to have long hair. And he's like, yeah, no, 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 you're different now. I'm like, oh. And you know what I've discovered over the last 25 years since that, or 26 years since that conversation now? You don't have to go somewhere where people don't know you to have an influence. You don't have to be the, the charmer who comes in from out of town with a briefcase and a presentation and tell everybody what they ought to do and then leave town to be effective. In fact, you may have your greatest influence on the people who are closest to you. The circle of friends, coworkers. See, they're the ones who know if you really are toxic or not. They're all the ones who know if you really are building your life on faith and hope and love. Here's the way Paul said it to the church there. So from the day we heard it, we've not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. According to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. My friend, if we're going to make a difference in the world. If we're going to convince the world that God is for you not against you, that the, that the church is not toxic to society. The church is the answer to the society. The, the body of Christ is the group of people who've been so transformed by Jesus that the toxicity level in them is low enough that they can be healthy and they can be untoxic with faith and hope and love and, and attitudes and actions that actually permeate with faith, hope, and love. We can make a difference in the lives of the circle of people around us. If we can be that peculiar to be that untoxic, then this kind of prayer about endurance and patience with joy is what qualifies us to share in the inheritance, inheritance of the saints. You see, Christianity didn't get birthed in the last 100 or 200 years on this side of the Atlantic. No, 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 no. Christianity was birthed when Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And the church didn't get called into being by some council of 
bishops. The church got called into being when the Spirit of God fell on the people who believed that Jesus was alive and that he was at the right hand of the Father and that he could change their life. That's when the church began. That's when the body of Christ came into being. That's when the untoxic message began to go out into the toxic places like central Indiana and Western culture and the world in which we live and the Lycos Valley. But it made a difference in the lives of people. And then something strange started to happen in those people in Colossae when they were peculiar enough to encounter Jesus and peculiar enough to let their attitudes and actions reflect his love and peculiar enough to start influencing their circle. See, they actually started acting it out. I told you there were three letters written. Colossae is one that we know we have. The second one was to a, the church in Laodicea. We, we don't know where that one's at for sure. There's some estimation, but it's gotten lost in history. But there was a third letter. It was written to a man a leader in the church. It's in your Bible. It's called Philemon. It's so short it doesn't even have, doesn't even have chapters. But, but it's so powerful that it couldn't be left out of Scripture. Because that letter is a letter from Paul to this man named Philemon. Because wonder of wonders, there was a man from Philemon's house whose name was Onesimus. He was one of the servants in the house. And he had stolen from Philemon. And he had run away. And he had gone away to get as far away from Colossae as he could. And he ended up in jail, in the same jail with Epaphras and Paul. And in that jail, Onesimus, whose name, by the way, meant worth, worth, worthwhile, beneficial, useful. He, he had been useless in his whole life. And when he ended up in jail, he, he ended up there and he encountered Jesus. I have no doubt because of the untoxic nature of Paul and Epaphras. But when he's getting out of jail, they need somebody to take the letters back. And so along with a guy named Tychicus, Onesimus is commissioned to take this letter to the church in Colossae and a personal letter to Philemon. Now here's why I'm telling you about this right now. It's about these attitudes and actions. It's about this impact of the circle that you can have. Because that letter, go home and read it this week. In that letter, here's what Paul says. Paul says, Philemon, Onesimus is no longer your slave. He's your brother in Christ. But I know he stole from you. And legally, you have the right to have him arrested. You have the right to have him imprisoned because he stole from you. But Philemon, because he's now your brother in Christ, what I'm asking you to do is to demonstrate that love and grace and mercy and hope and faith to be untoxic enough to, to forgive him. But just to let you know how serious I am, Philemon, whatever money he stole from you, whatever he owes you, Paul says, I'll pay that. I'll, I'll write that check. I'll, I'll take care of that bill. You see, untoxic people, untoxic people have an ability to translate their thoughts into actions, their attitudes into actions, to smile at a cashier, to find a way to, to be faith, hope, and love 
in a toxic world. And, and Paul just demonstrates it. And the church in Colossae sees that. And here's what I know. I know that untoxic people are peculiar in their loyalty to Jesus. They're peculiar in their loyalty to Jesus. That no matter what happens, they won't let anyone, particularly the one who's out to steal, kill, and destroy, take their love from Jesus. Paul ends his prayer this way. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins.